Welcome to Behind the Mic, exploring the media world in the 21st century. I'm James Marriott. I've been meeting people right across the industry to see exactly what they do, how things have changed, and what they think the future might have in store. Season two of the show is focusing on the subject of PR, public relations. It's a word we all know and use, but what does it really mean? How has the role of PR changed and what impact does it really have in today's current social media-obsessed world? We'll speak to a variety of PR professionals from a wide range of backgrounds to learn about their career path and how they've seen the industry develop. Today I'm going behind the mic with Neil Anderson, who runs Neil Anderson Media. Okay, Faye. Um, so, I mean, all kind of roles in PR seem to be a little bit sort of different as to, you know, who, who does what. So um, what what does kind of your role encompass? What do you do in an average sort of week? Well, we're a full service communications agency, so we could be handling anything from, uh, for example, doing a customer survey for a client, ringing their 50 top clients, asking them how pleased they are or any and any praises or grumbles with the service and that could generate vast amounts of new business for the client which is what we normally find we might be sending out our video team to video some client testimonials to put on the client's website one of my copywriters might be rewriting copy for clients promotional materials or maybe their web copy and I might be getting to the heart of a client's very sensitive story in order to get them into the local regional and national press my next question, I'm going to guess, is probably the thing that you get asked the most, particularly by new clients. Keep your fork. Uh-huh. Explain this to me. How, 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 what does the name mean? How did it come about? Well, I think the question I usually get asked most is, will PR work for me? <laughs> Profile and profit, that's what I always say. <laughs> uh, in terms of why keep your fork, in the week I needed to come up with a new and creative name for the business that had very much morphed from the training consultancy I set up 19 years ago now into the uh, PR and marketing consultancy. It became 11 years ago next week. I really needed to think about a new and creative name. And in that week, I happened to hear a story from a, a multi-million best-selling book called Chicken Soup for the Soul about a woman who wanted to be buried with her fork in her hand because to her it symbolised that better things were coming next. If at the end of a meal someone leans over your shoulder and says, hey, James, you'll need to keep your fork, it means that there's something really good coming next. So to me, that speaks for hopefulness and the fact that whatever difficult hand life's dealt you so far tomorrow's a new day and things can improve and get dramatically better i love that that's brilliant Thanks. that's i thought it was going to be something about how you'd move into the office and someone had left a fork behind and that nah. was that was the reason for it. it's a much better uh, much better story than what it, i got it's going actually in an american phrase james they say it a lot a bit like have a nice day it's just we don't use it here they say keep your fork the best is yet to come and in fact barack obama used it in his second speech when he was made president again for his second term. Brilliant. I remember that next time I'm in the States. Okay. Um, okay, this is quite a general sort of question, but um, how do you define what PR is? Well, I think everyone you might interview on this topic would have 
a different take on that, wouldn't they? Which is why this series of podcasts will be so interesting. Obviously, PR stands for public relations and not press releases, which is where a lot of people get muddled. And particularly with people moving increasingly online rather than offline. As soon as people hear press releases, they think, well, that's not for me and my business. It's not. It's public relations. It's about presenting your brand in such a way that people want to engage with you and ultimately, of course, buy from you. Um, You touched a little bit earlier on kind of what you did before Keep Your Fork. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your kind of background then? Just kind of take me through how you, you know, kind of came to the point of of, of setting up the the company. Well, that's interesting, James. I'm glad you've asked that really, because as far as I know, we are unique as a consultancy and uh, my competitors have described it as an exercise in throat cutting what I do, actually, my own throat, that is, which is basically I teach people how to do their own marketing and PR because my background is training. I set up FS Training 19 years ago uh, after I had my second child and decided to go self-employed, having been on the board of directors of a £13 million training company in Rotherham. And uh, former to that, I had been the head of the Meadowhall Retail Academy, which was the first ever retail training academy in Europe. And it was my job before that centre opened to help recruit and train 6,000 people to start work there on the day the doors swung open at Meadowhall. So uh, at times I was recruiting from eight in the morning till eight at night, six days a week, 20 people on the hour every hour to get the numbers needed to staff that centre. And what I realised was the enormous value of raising people's self-esteem and helping them learn how to uh, care about themselves and care about their customers. So that kind of leads you into PR. What, what was the moment where you kind of thought, I know what I'm going to do next? Well, really, it led me into marketing, James, because Meadowhall at that time did not have an in-house marketing team. They had a consultancy for whom I worked, handling their marketing. And that included customer service training as part of their marketing mix. And so uh, having left Meadow Hall uh, after two years of um, fantastic experience, but intense pressure and moving into uh, training consultancy development in Rotherham for nine years, what I realised was the essential power of communication. And over those nine years, I became the head of sales and marketing at that company and became more and more involved in marketing and that led me into PR. At that time we were actually employing a PR agency but when I went self-employed and started to work a lot with charities I would say that was the big moment for me. I I used to employ someone to help me with the PR in the consultancy because at that stage I didn't feel I got sufficient contacts or expertise to do it for my clients but more and more I realised with the charities I was working with what was so essential to them was those powerful stories, the stories of the volunteers, the stories of the donors, the stories of the staff, the stories of the CEO of the charity and why they were there and why they were willing to accept probably significantly less money than they could have gained in the private sector. Uh, and the and of course, the stories of the service users in the charities. And that's the whole PR thing was what was helping me get them. Column inches, more volunteers, more support, more donations. And that's where the PR really took off. And I ended up uh, gaining all those skills myself. And then that's become the biggest part of my business. So really a morphing is what's happened. Um, kind of the uh, everyone's different, but um, I guess the sort of uh, I'm doing kind of the floppy bunny is here. The sort of traditional route into PR is kind of 
you know, starting out in journalism and then mm. kind of move into it. Or, 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 you know, in this day and age, more and more people that maybe do a degree with an eye of going straight into mm-hmm. uh, PR. Obviously, your background is a little bit inu- unusual in terms of the yeah. fact that you, you, you've not kind of been down that journalistic route. Um, have you found that uh, a hindrance or has that been a, a kind of a positive for you in terms of the fact that you've got a different kind of a fresh outlook on things? I think what's interesting there, James, is that at first, uh, in common probably with a lot of women, I think particularly, because I didn't think I could do PR 100% well for my clients, I employed somebody else who was great to do it. And then I gradually realized, hang on a sec, I'm selling myself short here. I can do this too. Because what PR is all about is what I've always been about, which is telling stories. When I was training people, I was telling stories, stories of great customer service, stories of awful customer service that they would remember and and not repeat. When I was training people in self-esteem to give better service, it was all about telling them stories about people who'd achieved and succeeded and how they too could be like that. That's the heart of PR, really. So I guess for me, what I started to learn was I could tell that I could tell my clients stories so well that I would be able to get them in the press. And what I would say to anybody out there who is thinking about a career in PR, the absolute critical thing that I learned was I went through basically every single page of every single local paper, looked at who was writing about what, what they were interested in, where the opportunities were to get my clients into the press and wrote a short list of all the opportunities and then started working with my clients creatively and and here's the absolute essence of it all being super creative to get them into as many possible features profiles even the letters page any way I could to get them noticed in the media and the media loved it and very quickly I personally when I was doing this for myself at the start of the business had an 85% success rate for my clients which is unheard of in the industry the average is about 50% I was told and now working with a team of two absolutely superb journalists and many more journalist associates. We've had for the last two years 100% success in getting our clients into the press because we know exactly what we're doing and we do it very well. Brilliant. Okay. Um, how have you seen things change in um, your time in, in PR? Obviously, the media world's changed the way people consume news mm. information even the way people consume stories whether they're um you know fictional or or fact-based or very news-based has, has changed quite a lot um how have you seen things change and, and how has keep your fork had to um kind of adjust to kind of keep up with that i think a couple of really key areas I and mean, we could talk about this for hours and i'm sure other people will have their own tape particularly my associate um jamie who's one of our senior team uh, we'll, we'll be talking about his take on this and he studied it widely. I think my key take would be that these days, uh, the local media particularly and the offline media, i.e. buying a paper, it's use it or lose it time. And um, I have heard Nancy Fielder, for example, the editor of The Star, say regularly, you've got to support your local media if you want it. You need to actually buy the paper, read the paper and send your stories to the paper. And while so much is now online, the holy grail for us is getting our clients both on and offline. And a lot of the media, they're employing digital teams, so their own teams are getting video, become massive, send the story out, send it with a fantastic picture and send it with a video. You've got triple the chance of getting in. And the other critical thing is 
Uh, and the reason I don't employ any PR at all in my business, I only employ journalists, either former or current journalists to write all my client pieces, is because they're writing word-ready content to word count for the papers and, and the... Um, and the journals and magazines that they were formerly or currently working on. So they know exactly what they're doing and they know what's required because the days of somebody in the business, you know, putting a few words together, sending out a couple of paragraphs on that new client win or that new um, new product you've just developed. And, you know, Darren from, from uh, accounts is going to put a few words together and someone's going to take a picture on their phone. I'm afraid... The world's moved on. There are so few journalists now uh, available and so few photographers available that, that they simply do not have the time and the energy for smaller stories to send people out, to do interviews, to send photographers. It's now down to us providing great copy that they can just make a phone call and get a few additional details on. It's it's 15 years since I worked in um, in print journalism, but you know the resources have changed so much and, and, and I guess kind of um, more specialist kind of industry style publications and magazines and things are, are, are probably in a situation sure. where you know they're on real skeleton stuff um, do you do you actually notice um, there's been an increase in the stuff that you write if you're using kind of former journalists to, to, to write things um, just appearing in a publication or even in a newspaper pretty much exactly as, as you've sent it out I would say that's our experience almost every single time, yeah. And and that actually, if we do our job well enough, is what should happen. Because we don't write as PRs, remember, we're writing as journalists. So we avoid what they often call puff pieces, which is saying how wonderful, fabulous, amazing or inspiring world-beating our clients are in every single other line, which just turns journalists off. They, they want to read a piece which looks like it's been written with a third-party eye, um, about how well the client is doing, sure, but with interesting newsy angles. So I'll give you one example. One of my fabulous clients is City Taxis. And I was amazed to discover when they merged with Mercury Taxis, who were the kind of number two in terms of volume taxi company in Sheffield and a former client of mine, uh, they asked me to write a feature for them. And we looked at what was the potential within the business. And we saw that they had homeworkers, significant number of homeworkers, because in the merger, they simply didn't have room for everyone to sit at desks in the new business. So they allowed staff to homework in far greater volume than ever before. Actually, 62% of staff, which is amazing. You see, your eyes are going up and everyone <laughs> else's were. So I thought, wow, that's incredible. How many in Yorkshire and the Humber? Well, that's 9%. How many nationally homework? That's 11%. So right there was a great story. So I don't go to the press and say, would you like this to write this story and send out a photographer? We sent photographs. We sent case studies. We sent facts and figures. We sent a fantastic story about the growth of the company. Now that's journalism, not PR. We like to do their job for them, present them with fact boxes, present them with case studies, present them with profiles on the senior team, present them with the detail behind the merger and the numbers and the volumes and the new drivers, present them with facts and figures, scope and scale. If we do our job well, it should sit exactly as we've written it in the press or they come back to us with a tweak on the angle or for additional quotes because they want to make it their own and that's absolutely their right and and that's fantastic when they find the time to do that I love that. It's almost like you're, you're guest writing a piece for a publication rather than you know operating in what you class as being you know the traditional sort of PR which is 
trying to sell something, isn't it, effectively? So um, Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think I'd say that to anyone working in a business. Um, I used to be described in my various roles as an intrapreneur before I became an entrepreneur. And an entrepreneur is someone with a kind of an owner's eye, really, as, as a colleague of mine used to call it, someone who considers that business as if they were running it themselves, if it was theirs. How can they improve it? How can they do better? What creative ideas can they bring? And it's my job to do that for my clients. And on behalf of the press, I think if I was the editor of this feature, if I was this feature writer, what would I want to have provided to me? And if I can do that, everybody wins. What's the one that you look back on the proudest? I would normally, this question would normally be, what's the campaign that you look back on the proudest? That doesn't seem to quite fit with what with what you do. So what's the one, you know, story that's appeared, um, maybe even gone kind of national, that, that you look back on and, and, and kind of have the most fond memories of, of doing? Oh, wow. So I'm going to get emotional here on you, James. Uh, and there's two things I'd say. The first thing um, that popped to mind, I'll tell you second, but first of all is, the the privilege I have and where for me I'm in my sweetest of sweet spots is where I'm doing PR and marketing for significant charities who are really making an impact on people's lives so for example the Sheffield Children's Hospital charity Rotherham Hospice Home Start these are life-changing and life-saving charities. I'm now the communications director at City Hearts, who are a UK-wide anti-trafficking charity headquartered here in Sheffield. If I know that I can take the story of a volunteer or a staff member or even a person who has been a survivor of human trafficking in this country and draw it to people's attention to create more funds, more awareness, more support for uh, whether it's hospice at home, whether it's um, a burns victim at Sheffield Children's Hospital, whether it's a woman who's been trafficked for five years and hasn't seen daylight. All these are stories that I've brought to local, regional and national attention. And I absolutely know because they can tell me through the donations and the emails they get and the support they receive that these are going to the right ears and eyes and people are responding. So so that's my sweetest of sweet spots and where we know we have had a huge impact. I think my proudest moment was when the director of Children's Hospital Charity said to us after we'd covered his entire team with five of our team for a nine-month maternity cover, said we'd been the best external agency he'd ever worked with. So I think all of my team, um, we celebrated that and took that very much to heart. On a personal note, if I may, that story that went national um, and this is very topical for me because yesterday would have been James my daughter's 19th birthday and God willing she would have been going to Freshers Week this weekend along with all her friends and contemporaries but sadly my daughter died six years ago at the age of 12 having had a seizure and when I because I knew that story because the the police involved had told me that it was going to get into the media and and I knew working with the media every day how powerful it was um I had the option of letting the media write the story or writing it myself so 48 hours after my daughter's death with my vicar's wife I sat down and dictated to her the story of my daughter's life and of her death and how I wanted it recorded in the paper and chose the photographs that I wanted to send out and 
it certainly wasn't what I would call my proudest moment, but in terms of the stories I've written, only one has ever made the front page of the star, and that was it. And that story then went national. And from being the person who, I hope incredibly sensitively, has put some of the most sensitive stories out into the media and attracted a lot of people who've had very, very difficult life circumstances. And believe me, at this stage, I feel like I've heard it all about why people do what they do, set up their businesses or change the lives of others because of what they've been through. Suddenly, I was the centre of attention and it was me with reporters stood outside my door and me being approached by people from all over the press over the UK. And I think what that has given me is an incredible understanding of empathy and rapport with others who are in a similar boat. And so now, for example, at the moment, I'm working with a woman whose um, ex-partner is about to be sent down for domestic violence and is awaiting sentencing. Now, she came to me because she knows my reputation and she knows I can handle that story sensitively. And that's a privilege. And I never forget it to make sure that whether I'm putting someone on Roni's Bearing All show on Radio Sheffield or I'm sending somebody out to the Nationals with their powerful story of triumph over adversity, that I've been there, in their shoes, maybe not in those circumstances, but I do understand how it feels to be on the other end of that microphone or that camera um, or that notepad and I can help them tell their story well. That's It's quite incredible listening to you kind of talking about that. It must be an incredibly difficult and, and quite a brave thing to to, to do, um, but gives you that kind of sort of unparalleled insight into often what you're working with your sort of clients on. Um, is, is there a perception, do you find, that um, maybe if it's kind of like a new client who's approached you or a new company that you're, you're talking to, is there a perception that PR is always going to be the fluffy things and and just about you know effectively just another way of doing some marketing rather than being about you know actual proper new stuff I think every client comes with two things in mind basically and uh, usually they want two things which is profitability and they want profile and that's what PR should deliver and neither of those should be fluffy and both of those should be really carefully managed so yes it's an easy thing to chop even within the marketing mix it's an easy thing to chop sadly Um, and I know that many of my colleagues within the industry in the area have you know have found trying times in a in a recession at a time when people are thinking right where in my budgets can I start making savings but my mantra is at the end of the day if nobody knows what you've done it's like you've never done it and if nobody's heard of you they cannot buy from you so I'll find clients coming to me that have won five awards and I'll say well who did you tell nobody the first thing we've got to start doing is looking at every single place we can put those award wins and how we can get them out into the media. So, for example, one of my clients, Airmaster, last year won Contractor of the Year. It's their industry Oscar. The first thing we did on the night they won is think about everywhere we could possibly get that story because when when my client received the award, it was on behalf of a team of 40 people. It's not on behalf of just her and, and her joint MDs. It, it was on behalf of the team and the team needed to see their team in the paper appreciated and and acknowledged so there's all of that you know PR can bring enormous benefits it can get you new clients it can get you new stuff 
it can get you new supporters, it can get you friends in high places, it can draw you to the attention of the business community and what it can certainly do. I, I like to use the analogy, James, it's like a peacock spreading out its feathers. Any animal in the animal kingdom and peacocks are a great example, only spread their feathers for two reasons. One is to attract a mate and the other is to ward off the competition. So uh, both of those are great things in PR. You want to attract mates in terms of clients or like I say, donors, sponsors, trustees, and you want to attract um, customers, don't you? That's what we're all here for. And if you've got the best product or service in the world, let's be telling every single person about it so that you can bring your benefits, your fabulous service to their their attention so they can benefit. That's brilliant. I've always kind of said, I think, you know, everyone... Everyone has a story to tell and in Amen. anything that happens, there's always, there's a line, there's always a news line there. So, you know, a company winning an award is obviously a story, but you go a little bit deeper and there's, there'll be something deeper in there about this person, that their background and um, it might be, you know, they've won this award in their first month in the job or something. You know, there's always, there's always a line there, isn't there, that just gives it that real news value. Absolutely. And I think, I think you've nailed it in one there. Um, Joe, my senior journalist, who was the Stars Women's and Business and Food Editor before she uh, she joined us, she's written a superb blog on our website about this called Why You Should Always Be the Centre of Your Own Story. And from time to time, we get 100% of our business virtually through either recommendation or people hearing me speak because I do a lot of training, as I've said, and a lot of seminars and masterclasses on personal branding and being at the heart of your own story and uh, emotional storytelling, getting into the media, that kind of thing. And Joe always says you have, have to step up to the plate to be the heart of your own story. And a lot of business owners that we've met across the years have found that really difficult. Some of them, particularly those who are more introverted, find it really cringeworthy and they feel it's egotistical. But we have to work with them really carefully to say, no, I'm sorry. It is all about you. That need that you had within your own family life or that opportunity you spotted while you were with your previous employer or that knowing hunger you've always had to make a difference in the world. That's what created this business and you have to step up and say yeah this is about me and then you make it about us after that but right there and then you need to say this is why I'm doing what I'm doing and be prepared to be the star of the show it's it's really important to do that I'll never forget first time I ever went on Radio Sheffield I was pitching some of the charities I was involved with to uh, their community editor Andy Kershaw fantastic guy And Andy held up his hand in front of my face and he said, Faye, 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 he said, can I just stop you there? He said, you're giving me issues. Don't give me issues, give me people. And I've never forgotten. I think those were the wisest words I'd ever got. I'd only just started moving into handling PR for myself. And I learned from Andy and that has been my mantra ever since. Forget the issues, it's all about the people. So the first thing I ever do when I'm in a business is start to audit the people and their stories and get to the heart of who does what and why within the business. Um, Fair, I want to take you to the other end of the scale now and I'm not going to ask you to name any names or anything, but I imagine in your time, um, not by your own team, but I imagine you've seen some pretty bad press releases. Yeah. What kind of stand out as, as even maybe the worst that, that you've ever seen? We could do a whole podcast, couldn't we, just on mistakes <laughs> people make in press releases. But I think, I can't really think of particular worst ones, but I think some of the common mistakes people make is no call to action. 
and too much puff, you know. So I read some which are just written as if uh, somebody has only thought of all the most fabulous things and, and used very hyperbolic phrases in there and it's it's very off-putting and then there's no call to action. You finish the press release and think, what should I be doing as a result of this? So so that's poor. You know, obvious mistakes like grammar and spellings are a real turn-off, aren't they? Um, but I think the one that just popped into my head when you said that was one that actually the Yorkshire Post business editor put in a couple of Christmases ago in the business section. And that's where a press release had gone out from an agency with uh, obviously a new starter, bless him or her, who'd sent out the press release without having actually finished it. And they'd got it from a senior member of the team. And it said things like, in these brackets, put in some blurb here about the client. In these brackets, find a quote from their MD. Um, get an age in here. You've missed this out. And accidentally, instead of doing the instructions, they sent the press release as it stood with all <laughs> these things missing and wrong off to wow. the Yorkshire Post. And they printed it word for word. So um, as, as an example, I think to everyone what not to do. So, <laughs> you know, there's all moments that we can roll our eyes and think, oh, dear Lord, we should never have done that. That was a terrible mistake or the email we've wanted to recall. But that's the one that just... Um, stands out to me and in fact one of the things I've done ever since so here's my top tip is I never put the two in the box until I've finished the email and double checked it and I'm really happy with it because it's all too easy to get distracted take a phone call go and make a cup of tea you come back and you accidentally hit send and it's not what you wanted to send at all it's often a lesson that you learn the uh, the hard way. I remember um, my days working at the Barnsley Chronicle newspaper, um, and there was a it was a story that was something to do with uh, problems with pigeons in the town centre. It was a very kind of local newspaper story, um, and uh, the last line of it was that uh, a, a spokesman for the council encouraged people not to feed pigeons, and I missed the word "not" out. Uh, so encourage people to feed pigeons, and and it made it all, through all the checks, and it and it made it out because you know you, you you skim read something and it makes sense, and that was the best lesson that I ever learned about uh, thoroughly checking everything because just one word just makes such a huge difference. It was quite difficult for me to re- repair my own relationship with the council press department after that. It, it absolutely does. You're very brave, but we've all had those moments. I challenge anyone not to have, and at least it didn't make it onto Mock the Week or <laughs> one of those shows on the radio where they read out the mistakes in the press, eh? Thankfully, before the times when uh, news stories could go that far and wide, yep. thankfully. Um, final question from from me, and, and, and you did touch on this a little bit earlier on, which is if there's someone listening to this that's kind of got PR in mind as something that they'd um, like to do um, or, or even kind of you know journalism that's perhaps a little bit more specialist in in, in terms of you know writing stuff particularly for, for, for publications um, what what advice would you give anyone who's just kind of you know starting out at the beginning of their journey well it's very hard for me to give advice in terms of getting qualified in PR because like I said to you it's something I've slid into English was always my best subject at school. Um, I did English language, English literature, and then did an A-level in English. And I've always loved writing. So for me, the way I got into it was uh, when I had my children and uh, took a brief maternity leave and set up that training company I mentioned, I started writing for a local free magazine for parents of under fives. And first of all, I offered them a few free articles 
within a year, I'd ended up becoming the editor and was doing all the advertising <laughs> revenue um, getting for them. It was a lovely magazine called Link Magazine. I think if anyone wants to get into PR and hasn't gone the university route or qualified in it, a great thing to do is just to start writing, journaling, blogging, offering to send out pieces of your writing to local publications, things like Now Then and um, Exposed and those kinds of magazines. If you write well and you offer them pieces that are well written, you know, might make it to their pages and then suddenly you're starting to dip your toe in the water without having had the costs of a degree in the subject um I think that's usually the advice to writers of any kind isn't it just start writing and uh, stop procrastinating and and see if you can get it out there and get an audience for it so in fact one of the challenges I've set myself uh, between now and the end of January is that everyone's been asking me to write a book about my experiences um, based on what's happened to me um my husband died two years before my daughter died And uh, a lot has happened to me in my life. And I've always refused because, um, like I was just telling you, I didn't want to be the centre of my own story. But what I've now done is come across 12 other women who've also had really difficult stories of separation and divorce. And I want to provide a help guide to women to be able to move through that. So I'm now in the position of taking a couple of days out a week to sit and write that book. So I'm starting in two weeks time and I've set myself a deadline of two two days a week writing to get this done. And, uh, and so I'd say to anyone else, if you want to write, find the opportunity to write. And by all means, if you're a young person wanting to do a degree in PR, great. But get as much work experience as you can and be sure to do lots and lots of writing. Fantastic. Um, Faith, thank you very much. I, uh, I look forward to reading the book oh, um, when uh, when that comes along. But um, thank you for your insight. It's been absolutely fascinating to um, to hear about the company and about the, uh, the ethos and the background. And uh, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thanks, James. Some great stories there from Faye and brilliant to chat about her experiences. Now check out the rest of this season of Behind the Mic for some more perspectives on the world of PR and the role it plays in today's media. Hit the subscribe button to get new episodes as they're released. If you'd like to suggest a guest or get in contact with me for any reason, head to j.media, that's j-a-e.media, and speak to you next time.